Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're locked in to Stop, Look, and Listen on MyForecast.com. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Stop, Look, and Listen. I'm your host, LaTroy Gardner. This week, we have a special guest. We have military veteran and life transition coach and co-founder of Alliance Seminars. We have Darrell Williams. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Troy. Good to be here. All right. Good speaking with you. Uh, we had had his wife, Veronica, on a few weeks ago, and now we get get to have Mr. Darrell on to share his expertise and his journey as well. So. Um, First off, I want to thank you for your service. Uh, just tell us a little bit about why you decided to enlist in the military and then just talk about your decorated career. Okay, sure. So it was real easy for me, man. I grew up in Compton, California. So those that know the movie Boys in the Hood, that's the mm -hmm. exact environment that I grew up in. And then those that know straight out of Compton, that's the environment that my brothers and my sister grew up in. So by me being the oldest, I had to make some decisions with Troy. It's like, man, what am I going to do? It's got to be more to life than helicopters flying over your house every night and the gang violence and the drugs. And interesting story. It was the summer of my junior year, going into my senior year, I ran into a recruiter. Did not want to talk to him. Didn't have time for the guy. And man, he started asking me some questions that really like, oh, I need to think about this. And the more I listened to him, I was like, man, this sounds like a good deal you know, travel, pay for my college, you know, free 30 day paid vacation every year. And I'm like, you know what? Sign me up. And the interesting part was I was still only 17. So when I went home and told mom and dad, dad was like, yo, two men can't live in the same house. So I'm good with it. <laughs> but mom didn't want to sign the paperwork. Troy, she was like, I can't have you going to the military. It's too crazy. And I'm like, uh, we're in Compton. Ain't nothing crazy in Compton right about now. Right. And uh, she's like, well, give me time to think about it. Then I found out later on after I joined, my dad told me, like, yeah, I had to talk to your mom and to let you go. And I think she just you know, wasn't used to, you you know, leaving the state or whatever. I was like, yeah, I got to do what I got to do. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's why she agreed to let you go. So I ended up signing, they call it at that time, the delayed entry program. So I was signed up in the Army. Uh, the summer of my 11th grade year going into my 12th grade year. So I already had a whole year to go. And they basically told me to keep my nose clean and and uh, I'll be good. 
And the funny part was I had to pick a job. I'm like, I don't know. Do they have business in the military? They're like, no, nah, we don't have business in the army. You need to pick some more specific. And so interesting thing was doing all the violence. Um, I was selected with one of my partners. We used to do these lunchtime jams at Compton High because the violence was so crazy. The principal was like, we need to do something to like, you know, stop, you know, all this craziness. So I started rapping on lunchtime jams. And believe it or not, all the gangsters is like, yo, yo, we need to keep this going. So, you know, everybody, you know, it's like a piece of cord, piece of cord. I was able to type up my raps because in my typing class, a teacher was like, you keep turning in this junk. What are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to hurry up so I can get to my raps. And she was like, I'll tell you what, if you turn in a good paper and no errors, every time that you have left over, you can type up your little rap stuff. So I actually joined the military as a human resource person because of my typing class. It was so crazy, man. And uh, went to the Army, never looked back. Uh, went in as a human resources person. Uh, went to Germany, my first assignment, Pentagon. And then from the Pentagon, I was picked up for what they call a special assignment with the White House Communications Agency. So did that for about 15 years. First traveling with President Bush Sr. and then President Clinton. Then took a break, went to Korea for a year, came back. And then I started traveling with uh, Vice President Gore and Vice President Cheney and Bush Jr. just for a little bit until I retired in 2004. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, a decorated career. Uh, just talk about the... Um... You know, the 9-11 experience, you you directed um, emergency action communications for VP Cheney at the time. You know, just sh share some insights into that experience. Right. So actually, it was after that. So when that happened, those who remember 9-11, you know, President Bush, they was kind of keeping him in Florida until they figure out what was going on. And Vice President Cheney was, you know, doing a lot of different things. My agency at that time, we did not really have emergency action communication for the vice president every day. It was really set up for if something happened to the president, then he would get that type of support. And a lot of agencies in the D.C. area changed up the strategy during that time. So I was one of five people picked out of 30 to say, hey, we need to start this emergency action uh, comm group. And you guys would be with the vice president every day. One of the five of you would be with him, just like one of the five millies are with the vice president. So they ran us through some um, training, blessed us off around December and said, go forth and do good things. In my last four years in the military, I was traveling on Air Force Two, uh, traveling on Snake River in Wyoming, which, you know, brother don't do water, but I had to do what I had to do and um, hanging out. Uh, during the winter time in Wyoming, which is crazy, but it was really a cool experience because you know you start looking at the people flying on Air Force Two. It wasn't too many minorities, right? So I was one of a few. So that really made me think, like, hey, I can't mess this up, right? I got to represent because I'm representing my community, right? My family, the Army. So it definitely put a lot of pressure on me, but it was good pressure because it allowed me, you know, to do what I needed to do and do it in a good way. Okay. All right. So um, you just sort of talked about retirement. Uh, tell us about your transition process of life after the military. Did you prepare in advance for life as a civilian? Well, I was really fortunate, man. While I was still in, even though I was um, 
doing special duty. I was talking to a lot of people that had prepared to get out. And, you know, you start hearing some of these horror stories about it's not that easy. Uh, it's kind of hard. So I used to take a lot of notes from everybody that I was talking to. So when I, by the time I got out, I was a little bit more prepared than most people. Uh, people don't realize, man, when you're in the military for 20 years, think about this. You're not wearing any other clothes except for the weekends. You're wearing your uniform all the time. So when it's time to move into the business world, like people think it's a joke, but for the military, it's really like, you know, what do I wear, right? How do I do this and that? The, the discipline and the work ethic, that's all, you know, 100% taken care of. But it's those little things that you don't realize. So for me, I wanted to make sure I was a little bit more prepared so for me, I was good to go, but for a lot of other people, they're not in that type of situation, right? I'm doing a special assignment, so I'm wearing civilian clothes. But most people, you section at, you know, Fort Bragg or Fort Hood, not wearing civilian clothes like that. So you're talking about getting a whole new wardrobe, talking about a whole new vernacular of language, right? The military mm -hmm. had its own jargon, the civilian world. It's like, what are you talking about? So for me, I did a lot of homework and preparation, but then I realized a lot of other military members were not. So for me, I kept my notes. So as people were getting ready to retire, they were calling me saying, hey, I was told that you're the guy to talk to before you get out. And I just, you know, informally was coaching people before they got out to make sure they're prepared. And some people say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, Detroit, you know, people don't realize that there are 22 military members that commit suicide every day. And some of the reasons that lead to the suicide can be PTSD and other different factors. But one of the other factors is having a hard time transitioning from the military. So I was like, man, if I can do anything to cut that 22 number down as related to military transition, then I'm all in for this coaching piece. Okay. Uh, did you have any hardships along the way? I was fortunate. Like I said, I did a lot of homework before that. So I had my resume on point. I had my references. I was practicing going to interviews because that's another thing in the civilian world. You know, you go to interviews for different jobs in the military. They tell you where you're going. So even out of those 20 years, every assignment that I went to, the army had already prepped me to go to that. So I didn't have to do any interviews or things of that nature. You just show up, you get a sponsor kind of show you how to do it and then you pick it up. But for the civilian world, that transition, that can be a big obstacle for some military members. Okay. So um, just a footnote, uh, I'm from Beaufort, South Carolina, okay. home of Paris Island, yes. where, where we make Marines. Yes, you do. Uh, my dad served uh, 21 years oh, in the Marine man. Corps. So yeah, I've, I've seen firsthand just the experience of you know, being in the military, you know, serving, serving in uh, Operation Desert Storm and Desert Shield, uh, being stationed overseas in Japan and, you know, um, Okinawa. Yeah. And then, you know, as you say, like preparing for life after the military and trying to figure out how to um, integrate yourself into society. And and figure out the next steps. So I've seen it firsthand. Um, so I want to get deeper into your um, your coaching programs. Uh, mm -hmm. Just talk about some of the various topics that you cover, like when it comes to job hunting and the 
networking, the interview process, things of that nature? Sure. So one of the things I had to do was I had to kind of formalize my process. It's like, what is it that people like and what's that, what has helped people the most, right, when it came to them landing that job? And as I started talking back to past clients and start seeing the trends, like, okay, these are the things, right? So specifically talking about uh, networking, right, job hunting, salary negotiations, um, the interview process. Again, a lot of military members, unless you're doing special assignments, you don't know about interviewing. So being able to talk to them about doing research on the company, things that we as civilians take for granted on the military side, you know, that's foreign. So talk to them about, you know, looking up information about that company, their mission statement, their vision statement, going to their news page and finding out, okay, I just found out that Latroy Industries just got a big contract for Fort Bragg to produce, you know, their radio communication. Like you need to find that information and add that when you're doing the interview to kind of sell yourself. Um, salary negotiation, that's really big in the military because you don't know what you're worth, right? The military, you have special benefits and things like that. And your pay is based on your rank. When <laughs> you go into the civilian world, kind of starting from scratch. So for some military people, if they don't know anything, they're so loyal, right? Derail industries may lowball you and offer you a little bit less because I'm just all about the money. Mm-hmm. But Latroy LLC may offer you more money because they value, hey, I know what I'm getting with Durrell. But if you don't know that in training and in through coaching, you're taking the first job because in your mind, oh my God, I got to pay bills. I still have kids. I need to just take the very first job I get. And one challenge, Latroy, and you know this with the military, we're so loyal. Even if you took a job that paid you less and you knew there was a job that paid you more, there is a tendency to say, well, since Latroy offered me this job, I need to stick it out. So I have to coach military members and say, no, man, you are a free agent, right? Uh-huh. That contract is just as good as whatever you want to say. You know what? I'm out. You know, just give them two weeks notice. And for the, and people don't understand for the military, that's hard to fathom because you're so loyal. You're so, I'm a man, I'm a woman of my word, right? Mm-hmm. So I have to coach people into that, have a different mindset and let them know that, no, this is a process that you have to learn and master. What what sort of tips do you, um, you have when it comes so, to that? That's a good question. So when it comes to the salary negotiation, I always tell them, uh, it's just like a date. Let them go first, <laughs> right? Don't you commit first. Let them make the first commitment. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's almost like a dance, right? It's like, well, Darrell, we really like to have you. So what are you looking for? I'm going back to the Troy industry saying, well, I like to work for you. What are you offering? Right. So you're going back and forth. And one of the main tips I tell them is, you know, never give the first salary. Um, you can uh, help it. Let them come first. One thing I also tell them before they get into selling negotiations, make sure you do your homework. We talked about it before we came on air. Finding a job as a, let's just say a communicator in North Carolina, it's a different um, pay to what to expect if you're getting that same job in Miami. Cost of living, totally different. Right. So you cannot go to North Carolina thinking that you're going to get the same type of salary you would get in Miami. They're not lowballing you. It's, you got to understand where you're applying for the job. So I tell them, do your homework. 
wherever you're going to go, like if you're going to be in a DC area like me, it's a high cost of living. So what I tell them, Detroit, don't give up one time like, hey, I'm looking for 50. Right. If you did your homework, give them a salary range. Because mm-hmm. you know, in DC, right, people in that field are making anywhere between 80 to 120. Then you give them that salary. Well, hey, I'm looking for anything between 80 to 120. Right. And that lets them know, oh man, Detroit did his homework. I can't lowball him with 50. So let me go back and relook at his resume. Like, okay, Detroit got a master's degree. Right. He's got a couple of certifications. Hey, you can't lowball Detroit. So let's go ahead and offer him the big money and we'll lowball Darrell, who's coming after Detroit. Dr. Todd McLean provides periodontal and dental implant services in two convenient locations. They offer over a decade of experience treating patients and appointments can even be scheduled in the evenings, weekends, or early mornings. Give them a call in Chapel Hill at 919-537-9774 or in Durham at 919-484-8338 or visit them online at gumsandimplants.org. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mm-hmm. All right. So I remember the Montgomery GI Bill, you know, mm-hmm. being a selling point, you know, helping servicemen pay for college, you know, when, when they enlist. On the opposite end, is there a program for veterans upon retirement looking to further their education? Great question. So all of that is still rolled up underneath. They call it now the new GI Bill, right? So it's pretty much still the same. Now, depending on your call it um, a veteran's rating, if your rating is you know 100%, then there's a lot of different things that you get for free for the training. But if it's not, you still have to just pretty much use your GI Bill. And a lot of times, one of the things they just passed um, not too long ago is now I can pass down my GI Bill to my son or my daughter. So I tell people when I'm coaching them, if you're going to do that, then what you need to do is you need to get your degree before you get out of the military. Because while you're in the military, it's still free. You're right? It doesn't count towards the GI Bill until after you get out, like you just said. But if you're going to pass that down to your son or daughter, then it's imperative uh, that veterans get their degree before they retire. Okay. So um, I think, so some other areas that I remember from, you know, my personal experience. So like housing, uh, like purchasing, purchasing homes, entrepreneurship, like um, with your coaching, do you cover those areas as well? Well, not the housing piece, because that's something that's kind of embedded 
Like you can get out and a military member, especially depending on the state, you don't have to come up with as much money as most people do. They give you um, a certain amount and you can just go and turn that in and then they'll take care of that. Um, but the other piece I do have to talk about uh, is the training piece. There are some jobs in the military that may not get you as prepared as your next career that you want to pick. I have a lot of people in Detroit that I coach that says, I've been in communications my whole life, 20 years. I don't want to do anything with communications. I want to do people stuff. Mm-hmm. So those are difficult coaching because now I have to let them know that your resume is not going to speak to the people stuff. It's going to speak to, I'm a communicator. So in those situations, I tell them they do need to take advantage of the VA training, get some certificates, right? Get some uh, certifications that have to do with people programs. And then you add that to your resume and then you go in as a communicator, but you make sure you let the HR people know that, hey, I would like to eventually transfer to your department. I really want to do more of the people thing. Okay. Uh, Do you have like a success story that, you know, just pops up instantly when it comes to your uh, success from coaching? Absolutely. Um, Had a former Marine. Um, Donnie Puentes. Um, he was in the military, worked for me with me while I was at White Communication Agency. He got out of the military, but um, when he retired, uh, he found a job, and then something happened. And that's the thing about the contracting world, especially in the DC area, man. They'll call you on a Monday and say, Hey, Latroy, we didn't get the contract. Wednesday's your last day. So you're like, What? I'm about to get married. Come on now. <laughs> So in his situation, um, he was kind of stuck. So luckily people remembered um, my information and how I help people. So he finally reached out to me and we were able to go through the whole process of looking over his resume, uh, updating some things, making sure um, the certifications were correct, education up to date. And then we started the networking process. Like, who do you know, right? What answer you want to go into? He started doing his homework and you know, nailed down five to seven companies and then just kind of coached them through that process. That's, you know, prepping them for the interview, right? We would practice one-on-one, do a lot of role plays. And eventually um, he ended up landing a job with the um, ATF, mm-hmm. um, again, and as a communicator. And had we had not gone through that training, right, it would have been a difficult time, but he came back. You know, about two weeks later, it was like, man, I just cannot thank you enough. You know, oh, I forgot his situation. Um, he had like a 12, 13 year old, but he also had a baby on the way. So that was putting even more pressure on him to find a role. So by going through that process, you know, he always come back here and they will connect and he'll say, hey, man, anybody that's looking for a job, getting out of the military, send them my way because I don't want them to go through what I had to go through. Okay. All right. So, um, like from your perspective, do you feel like this country truly values and takes care of our um, military servicemen and our vets? That's a great question. I think overall the country does, but I think there are some situations where certain organizations do not. And I think that's the part we have to realize, you know, it's kind of misleading to kind of put the whole country Right. And that type of bag to say that So I would just say certain organizations do not understand the value 
um, that military members bring to the table. However, I got to point the finger at me as well. There's some time where I'm not doing my homework as a veteran and I'm just walking out saying, uh, Detroit, you need to hire me because I led, you know, 5,000 men at Paris Island every day. It's like, well, what did you do? Well, I was a leader. That's what I did. <laughs> Being a leader of Detroit is not going to cut in the civilian world, right? You got to be more specific. You have to be you know, like, how do I match up my skill set to what this company is looking for? So I would also say that sometimes as veterans, we have to do our homework. We can't just get out just thinking that somebody's going to be able to understand our military vernacular mm-hmm. and take the time to understand, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Like, we have to, I would tell people, you got to civilianize your resume. Okay. Yeah, because I asked that question because in North Carolina, I'm always seeing um, homeless guys, you know, with the signs, you know, help you know, former, you know, military, you know, veteran, um, homeless. And, and I mean, it's somewhat disheartening. And then I'll, I'll also hear about the struggles of our veterans when it comes to getting VA, um, assistance. And, you know, that just like leads me to wonder. It's like, we, it's like military servicemen and vets, they get propped up when it's necessary for, political game or like with the Colin Kaepernick kneeling situation, you know, people are saying he's doing a disservice to the military, but to me seeing our brothers and sisters homeless or unable to get health care is more of a disservice than a football player kneeling during the national anthem. So, you know, that's why I was I was wondering your take on that. No, that's a great point. There are some situations where again People are not treating the veterans the way they need to be treated. I also know that there are some people and a couple of veterans and I were talking about this other day where they are in the position to help the veterans. Right. Mm-hmm. And some of them, they look at it as if it's their money. So I guess so if I'm Latroy and I got my own little um, thing that I'm bringing to the table, my own little personal opinion. Right. Troy may not be as upfront with Darrell when he's going through that VA process. You may make it a little bit harder, but then you go talk to somebody else. They're like, oh, no problem. I got you. Do this, do that. So sometimes, like I said, it's not the system as much as people within the system that are not doing right by our veterans. And those people really need to get out of there because, like you said, those are the ones that are creating a disservice. They're making it harder than it's supposed to be. And then, you know, after a while, you know, somebody gets on hard time, they end up giving up. Mm-hmm. All right. So I so when when you retire from the military mm-hmm. and, you know, you sign your papers, like what is what what paint that picture for me? Is there like a um, like an exit course where they kind of advise you on? This is who you need to talk to. You need to talk to Darrell Williams to get some coaching. You need to, you know, do your network and you need to civilianize your resume, things of that nature. Are they getting that advice beforehand or they're just signing their papers and and going on about their merry way? And Detroit, that's a great question. They are getting that training. There's actually um, by law, every military member that needs the service. Um, has to go to what they call TAP, 
which is the Transition Assistance Program. That is a mandatory program. Like I can't even get my retirement paperwork until I go to TAP, right? And they do that just for what you just said. Like we want to make sure that you know what you're entitled to. We want to make sure you know um, the benefits that you have. And then we also want to prep you. What do you want to do, right? So TAP and every military installation has it, right? It's not like it's optional. You have to go through there. Uh, so, and then those types of programs, just like you said, they cover dress for success, resume writing, networking. Uh, there's a gentleman named Michael Quinn does a great job through the USO that talks about, you know, how to create that LinkedIn profile, mastering LinkedIn. So they're getting a lot more training today than definitely than what I got back in 2004. Right. Yeah. And I'm assuming like knowing how to navigate social media and tech and in the whole nine so absolutely that's good to know so um, just talk to us about alliance seminars uh co-founded by you and your your lovely wife miss veronica mm -hmm. <laughs> sure man i appreciate that so alliance seminars coaching again really just came out of me just trying to figure out you know how do i pay it forward i can tell people man my story to go all the way from compton right flying on Air Force Two, basically from the hood to the house. Like, man, that's a crazy story. So for me, it's like, okay, how do I give back? Right? I can't just walk around here and know that I did all those things and not do something with that. So that's when um, I was like, you know, what am I good at? What do I like to do? I like helping people. I'm good in HR. I'm good at coaching. So why not put it all together on our LLC? So we just looked at what do we like to do? And that's why on my side, I coach people through uh, leadership. I mean, 20 years. Come on. I mean, I picked up quite a few things along the way. Um, relationships. Been married 24 years, be 25 years in the fall. So I, I'm able to help people build not just personal relationships. I can help you with that, but also professional relationships. Like I've learned how to navigate through 20 years in the military and 12 years in the government, five years as a contractor. These are things that successful people do as it relates to their relationship with their team, their supervisors and external partners. And then the last part I do is on purpose, right? I get a lot of people at Troy, they're like, I don't know what I want to do, right? I just know I need to change jobs or I just know that I need to get out of this career field because being a paramedic, I'm seeing too much blood. I, I want to move to something different. So I walk people through, you know, how do they find their purpose? Uh, and what are the steps we need to do to make that resume, to get that right training, to find those right mentors that can help you navigate uh, those playing fields? OK. All right. So um, what brings you the most satisfaction? Oh, man, that's too easy. What brings me the most satisfaction is helping someone uh, reach their potential. There's a lot of people that are in military and civilian. They're, they're not happy. They took the first job that came their way or they maybe had kids early in their marriage and they never pursued their passion. So when I get to coach somebody and I say, are you happy with what you're doing right now? And if they say not really, then I start asking those questions. Well, what does make you happy? What would bring you the most joy? When they start talking and their face light up, it's like, man, I can tell from the way we were talking, you really want to go do X. So why are you doing Y? And sometimes the try I hear their stories like, well, I was so deep into this. I didn't think there was 
you know, time for me to turn around or restart my career and things like that. So being able to coach somebody to make that change, you know, not tell them to quit their job, still keep your job until you get, you know, what you need. Mm -hmm. But when they finally get to the point where it's like, hey, I did a couple of interviews and man, I got three offers to move into this field that I really want to go into. And I tell them, hey, send me a copy of their offer letter. Let me know that it's the real deal. And when they get that offer letter and just to see their face, man, and say like, hey, I appreciate everything you did for me. You know, you just changed my whole uh, trajectory of my life. And now my family is going to be better. And then when they say, well, you know, what do I owe you, especially with a veteran? Like, that's all pro bono. But what I tell them is something that I taught you, just make sure you pass it on to somebody else. So that way we can keep paying it forward. Okay. All right. So what's next for you? I know that Veronica is putting the finishing touches on a book. What's your passion project? What it, what's, what's on the horizon for you? Absolutely the same thing, man. I'm on chapter four of my 15 chapter book, From the Hood to the House. And um, right now I'm still gathering a lot of pictures, um, a lot of different quotes. I already have the book outlined because, you know, that's that military in me. So mine is going to be a little bit easier than Veronica because everything I'm going to write about is already outlined in each chapter and things like that. So definitely just take my time in doing this book. And the, and the way I want to do it, even though it's an autobiography, but I'm doing it from a leadership perspective. So it's like, how did leadership help me in different aspects of my life, whether you know, it's getting ready to get married, joining the military? being a youth pastor while I was in the military, right? How did this leadership journey take me from there, even where I am now working for the government and having my own business? So I'm hoping that when I write it, when people read it, it's like, man, he wasn't even bragging in this book. He was just laying down the stuff that he went through, the challenges, right? You know, the heartbreaks, you know, going through miscarriages and how did he handle that? And hoping that people can learn from my journey that they can also make it. Okay. Well, um, I wanted to do a parting shot before we do the plug. So the parting shot, you know, as a kid growing up in Compton, how did that um, build the man that you are today? Man, that's real easy. What I tell people is a lot of my leadership lessons came from Compton. Like, what are you talking about? How did they come from Compton? I'm like, you got to understand what leadership is. The definition of leadership is the process of influencing others while providing motivation, direction, and purpose for a common goal. That definition can cover anything positive and unfortunately negative. So even though, you know, game banging wasn't a positive thing, but there's still leadership in there. For Latroy to want to join a gang, right? That means there is somebody there that has a leadership skill now, they're not using it for the right reasons and the right purpose, and you hope that that flips, but that is leadership. So for me, growing up in Compton, being able to keep my head on the swivel, pay attention, right, your surroundings, uh, being able to, you know, look at people and understand, okay, is this person for me or is this person against me? Is this person trying to get with me or is this person trying to get over on me? Like all those skill sets, you know, help build up my leadership. Okay, cool. All right. So as we prepare to close, uh, Darrell, feel free to plug Alliance Seminars Coaching and whatever else you want to share with my audience. Sure. Um, Alliance Seminars Coaching, they can look me up obviously on the website, allianceseminars.org. You can also find me on Facebook, Alliance Seminars Coaching. 
Uh, and then thing, I just want to let you know, your listeners know that I know that I don't care where you are in your life. Everybody's going through something. It's just how life is. Um, my lesson to everybody is, you know, don't throw in the towel. Don't think that you're in this by yourself. And also don't think that you have to pull yourself out of this by yourself. I talk to a lot of people and they think they got to figure it out on their own. It's okay to, you know, utilize the resources, the network, and the people around you that can help you get out of your current situation to get into your best situation. Okay. Uh, Darrell Williams, Alliance Seminars, military veteran, military transition coach. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for uh, your service. Thank you for all you're doing now to um impact the lives of our vets and you know help them acclimate acclimate themselves to civilian life well appreciated thank and you for, and for stop looking listen i'm your host latroy gardner see you next week peace and blessings